Hello everyone, welcome to the new season. My name is Ian Bottrell and thank you so much for downloading this episode of Bees Pod. We have got so much coming up on your show today, plenty of guests, plenty of insights and plenty of hopeful predictions for the season ahead in the National League. We know it's been a while since our last podcast and we say this every time, but we will try our best to have a more regular schedule throughout the new season. But for now, sit back, relax and enjoy the optimism ahead of the start at Aldershot Town in a week's time. Thanks and enjoy. Hello everyone, and thank you so much for downloading this episode of Beast Pod. Uh, we've been away for a while, Mem, but we're back uh, with a vengeance. We are in a in a chapel. Oh uh, no, in a coffee shop near Allgate East, uh, which is a long way from the Hive. Uh, but we're sorry, TK, we're not spending our money there just yet. More of that to come later in the show. Um, but I'm delighted to be joined, as you just heard, by Mem. How are you doing today, Mem? I'm very good, very good. It's um, it's starting to get stuffy again now. It's starting to get stuffy. It's been raining. Now it's getting good again. So yeah. It. Well, fingers crossed that that weather continues. It was very very hot recently, but it seems to have cooled down a bit now, and it's got that sort of, you know, early August feel to it. Uh, you know, the preseason fixtures almost done. Uh, the season's about to start. Everyone's quite excited, but and everybody's wondering where the striker is. <laughs> but we have one. <laughs> We've got him. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, we've got a striker. Is he as good as Big John? We'll find out. Um, well, welcome everyone to this this preseason preview. Um, we're looking ahead to Barnet. Starting life once again in the Vanarama Conference. Uh, the more keen listeners will have perhaps traced the Beast Pod with Barnett's slow decline <laughs> <laughs> in the in the football league. The missing Crawley podcast, perhaps the high point uh, of our time. Um, but Mem, it's been a while since we were, we last caught up, and uh, obviously in the intervening months we've been relegated to the National League so uh, just let's start with that first of all uh, what are your thoughts post-relegation in terms of how it happened and also what sort of damage it's done to the club I think ultimately um, the, da- the damage was done I, I, I still always believe that the amount of injuries we had at, at the beginning of the season caused a massive uh, knock-on effect um, and it was ultimately ended up with four managers in the season and having spoke to uh, a player um, early no, last week, he said it was just having to constantly start again with a new manager was terrible. And I can just I look at that and think, okay, that is it. Lack of continuity, too many injuries to key players early in the season, and we were never to be able to get any momentum. And we only got momentum right at the end when Martin Allen. Came I mean, in. did you did you think going into that Chesterfield game we were going to do it, or did you you know did it did it hurt as much as perhaps the previous ones have done no because I, I was actually i think i think we might have talked about this um no maybe i maybe i spoke about maybe i was mentioned on twitter but i i'd resigned to relegation in january okay uh, well after the window shut when the window shut and it was really i felt that that was actually the, the hammer blow that was the final nail in the coffin when the the quality of the players we brought in um in the transfer window um where not one of them was was considered good enough to start, and that's perhaps been shown in what's happened since relegation with exactly. the with the Masquera. I mean, do you feel that the the club though, maybe it's just me, but the people I've spoken to in preseason say, well, you know, we seem to be relatively well equipped to bounce back. Is that is that true? Do you think, um, or are we still a long way away from being where we need to be? It's difficult to know. It's difficult to know because I think that we've the one one of the good things that. Um, Cleanthus uh, has done is he has brought in a manager that has with know-how. So on some, I feel quietly confident that we could do something. Um, not not really been blown away by the signings, but I get the feeling there's a lot of it. It's about continuity. It's about people that he's worked with before, people who knows his methods, people that won't take time to uh, get up to speed to what it, what he expects for them. So I think we're going to play a very industrial brand of football next year. I think it's going to be very functional. We're going to scrap games to the end and we will win more than we lose. Um, I need to see a little bit of quality before I can decide whether or not we're going to um, we're going to be challenging. Uh, one of the things that people have said, looking perhaps um, more closely at the title-winning side of 2014-2015, is that we're certainly deficient in a few areas. So the sort of creativity in central midfield, we've just signed Byron Harrison. We'll come on to the new signings in just a second, but... Do you feel that the squad is is equipped to mount a serious challenge at this level, or do you think, as with most league teams, we need a sort of a season or two to adapt? 
Yeah, I'm, th I'm starting to wonder if this is a, this, this squad is this season is going to be consolidating and not doing things stupid like go back down through the league again. Um, I don't think we ever were in danger of getting relegated again. I just think this the, the signings have got a very solid look about them. Everybody is solid. There's not a huge amount of imagination in, in the signings. And even Sparks is supposed to be a winger. When you read a little bit about what John Steele has said about him, it's more to do with the fact that the guy gets falls into the box. Not really about the fact that he goes past players and he opens teams up. It's more about giving the ball and he's very functional and he gets the ball in a box. Um, I look at it and I think that we're lacking real creativity in that conference, last conference, well, both conferences in the seasons, in the last three even, you look at, but you look back and you think, in the last one you had Cook, Luisma, you had um, McDonald, who was create a kind of chip. He's a good foil for a kind right? foil. Yeah. And then you look at the season, the time before that, you had um, Ben Strevens and Richie Graham. Yes. Um, and Dwayne Lee, who was quite creative. And then you had Go beyond, beyond that, before that, it's Ke Ke you know, uh, um, Shaula, Carter, Kenny Lowe, etc., etc. So this team, who 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 could you name like that in this current side? Apart Jack Taylor, and he's not doesn't look he doesn't yeah, look like I he's likely to play. I mean, let, let's pick up on that point about Jack Taylor. I mean, my uh, it was interesting because I was looking at the message board the other day, and someone was saying uh, we've got a lot of players signed um, in terms of you know uh, squad size looking pretty big, uh, and with a lot of youth players in that. And someone was citing an interview from Still where he said he wants to cut down the amount of youth players. Of our current crop, do you do you think that there's real potential there or are we sort of being a little bit naive and thinking that some of those players are going to go on and have a big season in the conference for us? As in, should we, should we get rid of them? I'm, I was surprised that, I was surprised that Shomerton stayed and I was surprised that, um, although I'm, although I, as we know, I'm a, I, I, I'm a believer in, uh, in Anakiai, um, I was surprised that they were still here. In all fairness, yeah. Um, Jack Taylor, I thought what was I thought, okay, fair enough. Where's Fonguk? I was actually surprised that because it, it, he just went off the radar at the end of last season. Um, but I, I think he's got I think he's got a lot of ability, and there's word I've heard second hand that obviously the, the coaching staff actually feeling think he's a bit of a gem, um, and probably will use him, utilize him. But I get the feeling Jack Taylor is going to be is n there's no real place for Jack Taylor in this system that. Um, that, that John still plays. What, what do you think his system will be then this season? Will it be sort of you know a four-five-one, a variation of that with a big target man, or will it be a four-four-two with with a big and a small? I think it's a very functional four-four-two. Yeah. I think you'll have two guys sitting midfielder just there dogging, uh, dogging around trying to win tackles, and and it's about getting the ball wide. Um, I mean we've got this um, uh, the interview lined up um, that we've that that we will be launching with um, John Nurse. Uh, with John Nurse, and he talks about that in a lot of depth where he, where John still does what John still does very well is he he's getting the ball into attacking areas as quick as you can, and he looks to get his strikers uh, his strikers into play. So that will mean that wide players will will be there to hug the touchline and get balls into the box, um, which is good because it means that there'll probably be a lot of chances created. I just think that it's getting it from the back to the front will be the bit that's going to be a little bit hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, d I don't know. I haven't got. I, I mean, it's quite young when still was last in. Out. I've got. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> the first of Sorry, so it's just a nervous twitch. I went to, um, I don't know if you remember the South End game. This is about probably 1999. We were playing South End and Greg Heald was playing at centre back. And a ball came in and Greg Heald rocketed an own goal. I don't know if you remember this. No. It's almost a diving header own goal. I said, it, it was, someone listening must remember this. So basically, we was South End at home, I think it's like November. And ball comes in. I was about seven at the time. Ball comes in. And Greg Hill goes for it to try and clear it. And he rockets a brilliant header past, I think it was Nesbitt or Harrison, <laughs> into, the, into the top corner. And Ma I think it was Martin Carruthers was their South End centre forward. He goes up to Heald, like, you know, as he's lying on the floor and sort of pats his slightly bald head. to say, you know, Patronises nice him, basically. And it was like sparked a sort of, you know, <laughs> 22 Melee. man brawl. <laughs> At the end of which, Carruthers was sent off, as was Heald, and Heald chased him down the tunnel to sort of finish him off. <laughs> And I think I was about seven at this time, and I was I was really upset because I used to sit just above the tunnel in the old main stand under yeah. there. I was really upset, so I started crying. <laughs> I was a strange child. And, um, and anyway, so uh, I can't remember what happened, but basically it involved us. John Still wrote something. I can't remember. My mum used to run at the club, but my, my John Still basically wrote this lovely little letter saying, oh, "I'm really sorry that our football is uh, <laughs> and, like, beating people up. <laughs> you know, please come back." So I have a lot of respect for him as a person. Um, 
But as a manager, I'm not convinced. I mean, a lot of people were making something of the fact that Dagenham only finished mid-table last year. I mean, do you think he's got he's got what it takes to to win the league? Do you think the league's that different from what it was when we were down here last? Or um, people want to people want to say that as big clubs come down, it gets stronger and it gets harder. But the fact of the matter is, everybody has to cut their cloth as soon as they come down. So, typically, the, the clubs that come down are not that great. They might be great in name. Um, I, I just, th- I, th- I think there's a point that some people have, have lost on, on the whole fact that we've taken a lot of play from people from Dagenham is these players are used to playing together. Um, there's a chance that, very good chance that these were the core of players that he wanted to build from and he's decided to bring them to, to Barnet. I've, I've, I've been in, um, I've, been in non-league when, um, when I was younger and I remember I actually remember uh, being at Bournemouth and the first team manager Bournemouth brought the whole Chesant team got them all signed up and brought them into Bournemouth because the Chesant team had just romped their league Yeah, and that's really common in non-league where you just basically go you know what these, this group but we need them at a bigger club where we can get you know we, we bring them to a bigger club with more money and, um, and then build, off, build around them It'd be, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, uh, I'm we're going to touch on the league just just in a second, but I'm curious as to whether or not Still is the right person to, to bring us up the league. I mean, he's he's quite old, um, and he did a good job at a strong Luton side with a very big budget, um, and he did you know did an excellent job of getting him promoted and getting him out of the league. It's not to sort of denigrate what he did there, but I'm just not convinced that we've quite got the squad that he needs to impose his style of football on in terms of very athletic central midfielders. Uh, lethal target man. I mean, Byron Harris, I think, is a very good signing, but he, he doesn't strike me as the sort of person that's going to top the goal-scoring charts and win the league. It's more about the, it's more about the service. When you've got a big striker like that, they're, you know, they live, you live and die by the service. So it's, um, if the ball's coming into the box, then he's got every chance. I just, you know, at the moment, we can't score, you know, can't, can't score a goal in pre-season. So makes you, makes you wonder about the creativity um, in the team. And I look at the side and I look around and, it looks very solid, and he's done. The, he's done the right job because we we we've talked about the fact that we needed to refresh the centre back areas. He's done that well. He's bought he's bought established players, good players at this level, to play I- through the spine. But the problem is, I think I'm not sure is he fi- is he finished yet with his signings? Is he, he can't be quite he can't be happy quite with it without the, with the lack of creativity. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's, he's cutting quite fine, I think, to the start of the start of the season. But we'll have to wait and see in terms of what he wants to bring in. I think the number nine, Harrison, was, was someone that he... Yeah, big man. Big man was either one he targeted or would be relatively high up on his list of, of people to fill that role. Um, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Well, one thing I would say is that you can make a signing whenever you want in this in in, um, in the in the conference. So Is the transfer not apply, though? No, it doesn't apply in the conference. So basically... But that must be... A, that's a new thing, right? No, it's been a little while. So it's basically in the league. That's why you could, so you could sell a player into the conference. Or you could, l- you know. But in, in the last promotion season we were in, we couldn't we couldn't sign players outside the wind- windows. Mm, potentially, you might be right on that, but it's definitely not. But it's definitely been a couple of seasons now. Okay. It's been in place. So, so I think in some respects he's probably put a solid side together and thought, okay, I'll tweak it as as, as we see how the season starts. Yeah, well, it makes sense, you know, because you never know how things are going to pan out um, with our with our new signings. Well, we. We've done uh, something quite exciting for this <laughs> pre-season preview, which is speak to some other people apart from ourselves. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna jump now to an interview that we did uh, a week or so ago with uh, a couple of people who run the Late and Orient podcast, who give us a bit of a lowdown on the league and how it's changed. Uh, and when we come back, Mem and I will jump into looking at who we think have been the main contenders this season. <laughs> Uh, I'm delighted to be joined uh, by Steve uh, from uh, Leighton Orient. Um, Steve, do you want to just start by introducing yourself and telling us about your fantastic podcast? Yeah, so my name's Steve. I co-host the Orient Outlook podcast with my good friend Paul Levy. Um, we've been doing it now for four years and become quite established and we do it every Sunday night and a lot's happened in the last four years. We thought when we started it would be difficult to fill a half-hour slot every fortnight and little did we know what was awaiting around the corner and now... Very hard to get it under an hour a week, but pleased to say now the club's in safe hands. It's a happy podcast again, and we're all looking <laughs> forward and raring to go for the new season. Well, I mean, 
I wish we were, we had the same optimism. I think Bayern fans <laughs> split at the moment. I mean, we we know this league quite well. Um, but the last time we were here, there obviously you know there's four going up, sorry four going down, two going up, so it changes quite a bit. On your experience last year, what what can you tell us about the quality sort of size we're going to be up against every Saturday? It's a difficult league. It's a really difficult league. There's a lot of long ball. There's a lot of time wasting. Teams like to kind of hold you and try and play their tactics, play their way. And you know we have teams who came to Brisbane Road. It was a big day out for them. They put 11 men behind the ball and hit us on the break. And once they got that goal, or once we went behind. Very difficult to find a way back into the game. I remember Eastley, and I think you'll be aware of Graham Stack. Yeah. You know, he he was not a likable character. If he was on your team, you would have loved him because he knew exactly what he was doing. You know, waste a bit of time here or there, kick the ball out of the ground. And you find a bit of that in the National League. But it's a hard league, but the good teams, you can see, they're well organised, they're hard to beat, they're very well drilled. And I think there'll be about four or five teams who are more than capable of winning the National League this year. It should be a very interesting league. Yeah, I mean, on that point, I mean, there's been a lot made about Salford who have come up with Gary Neville's money. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of big sides in there that have actually stayed in the league for a while. I mean, you know, Luton were down there for five or six years. Mansfield, um, you know, yourselves and, and McElroy, I think it was yourselves and uh, who else? It was Hartlepool, wasn't it? Sort of Hartlepool, struggled. Yeah. So what, what, what do you think in terms of who's going to be pushing at the top of this league uh, next season? Well, I'd hope we'd be up there or thereabouts. Um, I think Salford would definitely be a contender. I think as the season goes on, I think they'll really come into their own around January. I think Wrexham could be up there. I think Barnet will have a part, part to play. I think Chesterfield again under Martin Allen made some shrewd yeah. signings. And he obviously he knows the league like the back of his hand. Um, and then there's the teams who took everyone by surprise last season. They got to the playoffs with a point to prove. There's Ebsleet who arguably signed our best player last year when he was released from Norwich, uh, which surprised everyone. So a player picked um, Ebsfleet over Orient, and Ebsfleet were a good team last season. So there's Ebsfleet, there's Bournemouth, there's AFC Fylde, who managed to keep their top goal scorer. I think second highest goal scorer in the league, Danny, I think it was Danny Hyde or someone like that. Danny, so, Danny Wright, isn't it? Was, Danny, was it Danny Wright? Yeah, someone Danny like Wright. that. So, yeah. There's, there's a lot of teams who, who are going to be up there and thereabouts, and you know, not to mention Sutton and Bromley, both on 3G pitches who have a massive advantage at their home games because they play on 3G, so they're used to the pitch, and we got absolutely hammered on both. Both. Yeah, I remember it was six one, wasn't it last year? The Bromley one. Six one. I think it was fourth, fourth game, fourth game of the season. You know, we're going into that confident. I think we had six out of nine points. Went away to Bromley on a Tuesday night. Got absolutely thumped by him. I remember after the game. My co-hosts went, we're lucky enough to get press passes for the games after. And Steve Davis and the manager came out and he said, I didn't see that one coming, boys. He was absolutely shell-shocked by it. And I think as fans, I think that was the game where we opened our eyes and went, geez, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. But there's some big, big teams in that league now and it's, it's hard to get out of because if you don't run away with the league, you know, you get put through the playoffs and as everyone knows in the playoffs, anything can happen. And it's a really yeah. convoluted playoff system in the National League now as well. And you, you mentioned like a little bit of your sort of culture, culture sort of shock at the start, but then you began to build a little bit under Justin Edinburgh. You, you, you're looking good going into this season. In terms of a squad, what sort of squad or what do, you, what do you need to do well in this league? I mean, do you need creative players? Do you need players who are good at set pieces? Goal scorers? Like, where, where, do, where do the top teams really stand out in key positions? I think you need a mixture of both experience and a bit of youthfulness in there. I think the teams who went up and done really well, like your Tramies, uh, your Macclesfield, very, very good at set pieces. You know, I think Tramie came to our place and scored from a corner. Uh, I think Macclesfield scored a really well-drilled well goal. So it's teams who are organised, well-drilled, got a good blend, and normally we're an experienced manager. And that's kind of, I think, where we've got a good chance this season. We've got Justin Edinburgh. He's kind of been there, done it before. He's got out of the league with Newport County. But there's some good managers in this league now. Obviously, Graham Alexander again, Salford, to come down two divisions. Considering last year he was at League One, Scunthorpe. Got John Still, knows the league like the back of his hand at your gas. Martin Allen again. So there's some real good experience, but good managers, good leaders. We know the league inside out, and you'll see that reflected on, on the pitch. And, and in, finally, in terms of sort of off the pitch stuff, um, there's always a few like you know glamorous ties, you know Barrow and. You know some places that you never you never knew existed before you you played the national league. Yeah. What what for you is is the sort of the best 
the best away day and, and give us the worst away day as well. Um, I think probably, probably, probably the worst away day, Bromley. Bromley. Just for that 6-1. Just for that 6-1 last year. Don't really want to go back there, but we will. Bournemouth was another tough one. I mean, their, their pitch is basically owned by Arsenal. The Arsenal can use it for their ladies' team, so it's a phenomenal pitch they got down there. They've got a real good set-up. Kind of best away days. All depends what you're after, really. Gateshead's always good fun. We went there on the last day of the season. Nothing to play for, really, but got a good 3-0 win. And obviously, the big established teams for us, Wrexham, always a good away day. And yeah. our only European tie of the year, obviously, being in Wales. And um, Dagenham Redbridge will be special, as it always is around the festive period. Again, all Warrant fans will be looking forward to making the trip back to Underhill after not going there last year. So there's some real... Real good away days, but you know, you, as well as those teams, you've got your Halifaxes, your Barrows, your Fylde, kind of your lower teams who two, three years ago for us would would just have no kind of conception of even having to play there. But now we go there on equal terms, and and it's fun. It's a fun league. It's a fun league, and and the fans are always up for it and a good laugh. And and last question for me then, what I'd like to just is your, your three picks for us. So uh, the champions. Uh, or, this might, might be one of one of Barnet and Orient. You can put them there as well. And then, where do you think Orient are going to finish? And then where do you think we're going to finish? I think I think both clubs will finish top seven. I think champions could be one of four. I can't commit to champions, but I think Salford will be up there. Chesterfield yourselves. I think we've got a good shout. I think it'll be one of those four teams. But okay. I would, I would I'd be very surprised if both Barnet and Lane Orient didn't finish in the top seven as a minimum. All right, well, that's that's optimism, Steve. We we need a bit of that. It's been a long uh, 18 months for you as well as us. Um, but best of luck for the upcoming season. Thank you very much. Thanks very much to uh, the Orient Outlook podcast there for their thoughts uh, on the upcoming season. Uh, they've been very kind to us, man. They put us down as, as the playoffs, um, which... My, I just want to go back to last season's predictions while I get a chance to mention this. Man, where did you have us finishing last year? I, c- I can't remember. I, can't, I genuinely can't remember. It was somewhere between 6th and 8th. I, think it, might I said 18th. I think it might have been 7th. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon if they did a, a poll every single season uh, in League 2, every single club would say they're finishing 7th. But then if you ever look at 4 4 twos, you know, excellent preview of this <laughs> yeah. season, every single club, where do you think will finish 7th? Or it's either 7th or the ones that actually have got a chance of finishing 7th say they're going to finish 1st. So it's something about the football fans there. We would have finished seventh if it wasn't for them pesky kids. Yeah. But what, what, what do you mean, the players? Yeah, generally. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the whole team. <laughs> the whole team, whole club, everybody <laughs> related. Um, well, this year, seventh might be a little bit more realistic. Um, but let's have a quick look through then the league we're going into. The one of the interesting things about the conference is that it changes uh, quite a bit at the bottom end. Uh, obviously, not so at the top, with only two teams getting promoted. Um, but a couple of big sides down there from, from last time, and, uh, as well as a few new additions. So, Mem, let's have a look through. We've got quite a lot of sort of ex-lead sides in there that we've seen in League Two recently. You're looking at sort of people like Hartlepool, Orient, Chesterfield, who came down with us this year, you know, Dagenham. Uh, from recent years as well, uh, plus of course some sides that have um, you know recently been promoted up into that into that league. You know we've got Harrogate to look forward to, Solihull Moors, which I'm sure you booked in for a nice weekend away with the with the <laughs> wife and kids, uh, and then of course teams like Fylde and Salford who are bankrolled to an extent by new money. Looking at that, I mean, wh- what do you make of the league first as a whole, and then secondly, what are you looking at in terms of teams that are going to be really challenging at the top? Well, the first things first, where's Woking? There's no Woking. I, I, I thought I thought this would be like you know the Black Crows at um, Tower of London. <laughs> as soon as it was, it was called, the league would fall apart if Woking it's left not a it. National, it's not a na- it's, tell you what, it's a na- not a national league unless Woking are scheduled to play Barnet on the 25th <laughs> yeah. in a boring nil-nil. I don't know if you remember actually. That it's the last time I think we won the conference. Is that we were away at Woking. We that was the worst game. It was, it was one where we were on that open terrace and it was snowing. Was it Lee Roach scored the goal? Or was yeah, it no, no, it was Roche, Ben Strevin. Ben Strevin scored. It was, it was his goal where there were like three shots and they were blocked, blocked. Yeah, yeah, I scored. was there. And then, then we conceded in the 90, was it the 90? No, it was, it was, I think it was the playoff season. But there was, a, there was one season where we conceded in the, in the last minute of injury time. Draw 2-2 on Boxing uh, Day. Every time I've ever gone there, I've hated it because you're on that you open terrace. Draw. Always draw. And you need to roof on it because otherwise you just sing and it just goes straight into but the air. Know, on, on that point, actually, talking about Woking, they have built... Uh, that they've got just submitted plans to build a 20,000 all-seater stadium. 
With back back by the council. I kid you not. What are they smoking? In Woking, yeah. In Woking, but I'm saying what are they smoking? <laughs> what are they smoking in Woking? <laughs> it's like, well, why? Why would you well, need to that? Be fair, to be fair to them, I mean, if we, we'll have a look at some of the smaller sides in a second, but look at Boreham Woods, um, Files, Salford, almost certainly this season. Yeah. The smaller clubs with like fan bases of what, you know, 400, 10 500, <laughs> 10 people, <laughs> um, who are competing. I mean, Woking, I could see them growing to be a decent sized club. But Woking have been around forever and they've never grown more than like <laughs> two and a half, three thousand. They, if they Woking were going to grow, they would have grown when they were doing FA Cup runs. They've had that massive stadium. I used to work that in Woking. Stand, that yeah, stand. that stand you can see, it's like the Wembley Arch in what? Woking. That stand <laughs> like literally towers over everything. It's like uh, the rest of it is just like a shoebox. No. Apart from that golden stand which they used, uh, which they uh, bought off the proceeds of the that, FA Cup run. They have amazing stands in Woking. It's a bit like Underhill because they used to have the one that was the McDonald's stand, which <laughs> Literally, it's three rows deep. <laughs> if you remember the old family stand at Bar- yeah. Underhill, it's like that, except you're higher up because I think underneath there's some sort of media centre or whatever. <laughs> um, but anyway, Woking aren't, aren't there. <laughs> but there are some other sides that are there. I mean, we can't start anywhere else apart from Salford, really. Um, I don't know if you saw the uh, the spat between Andy Holt and Gary Neville on Twitter. I did, yeah, I did see that. What did you make of that? Look, the fact of the matter is, 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 this is this has been football since the since time began, like not time began, but you know since football began, where the teams with the most spending money they just go out and buy the players. Um, so I can't, you, you know, okay, I get Accrington are a bit like, oh, we'd like, it'd be nice to have some money as well. But the fact of the matter is, it's all for the got money, and it, they're no different to File, they're no different to Man City, they're no different to all these other clubs have got uh, benefactors. So. The key, the case to it is you just got to go on with it, and and actually, Accrington of all teams have shown you don't need tons of money to get up, at, get out of the division two. So I don't know why he was getting into a spat. Um, in terms of Salford, I actually think it's been a bit stupid. They're they're spending. I mean, they bought Adam Rooney, was it for, and he's on four k a week. Yeah, I think it's four or five. Yeah. The question is, are they going to surround him with players who are of his quality? Because there's no point in having a really, really good player um, play drop down a division. If you I haven't got a place to play with him. I think to be fair though, I mean, I think they've got a strong, th- they will have a strong squad around him. Um, I mean, they haven't just signed Adam Rooney, they signed someone else, didn't they? Uh, who else did they signed recently that was an ex-league player? Oh, Danny Lloyd from... Um, yeah, yeah, I, I know. Mean, you know, Danny Lloyd is, you know, on his day, a, a league one, good league one player. Um, and so, I, I don't know. I, I mean, if we look at the odds, Salford City are, you know, looking outright... You know, odds on favourites. You know, they're they're twenty one to ten, and the next best are Chesterfield at eight to one, uh, and then Orient and ourselves at fourteen. I mean, it, the, the bookie. I know, I know the bookies isn't necessarily the most reliable indicator, yeah. but clearly they they've got something about them, right? But two years ago, you'd have had Eastleigh at the top of that because they were spending money, and th- 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 I I personally think. Let's let's pause on Eastleigh because I think it's really important we we dig into uh, well, how <laughs> how rubbish they've been. Well. Uh, even after they double Martin Allen's salary, they still they're still in the league easily. They're still in non league. They're still yeah, in our league. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. According to this, the alphabetical order, they're eleventh in the league. Do we get do we get let in to go and see our reserve team for free, or do we have to pay full price? Well, no, because a lot of them they've dropped. They've 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 um they've only they've released most of them. The only one I think they've kept is Stack, and um I think Togo's gone. Togo's gone. Okay. Yeah. Um, Muggleton's joining. Um, is rejoining his his spiritual father. Uh, Ch- at Chesterfield, not he's, he's no, he's actually joining his <laughs> actual father and his spiritual father. Is uh, is Carl up there as well, then? Yeah, Carl's there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, they come as a team. <laughs> getting the, come getting a team. The Goalkeeping coach, who, uh, special teams, very long throw. Manager that always goes with Alan everywhere. Oh, um, uh, Adrian Whitbread. Isn't yeah, it? is he there as well, or has he gone back to? I'm India? not sure. I, th- I wouldn't. Would ha- I would hazard guess he is. I think if he could have got the team back together, he'd have done it up at Chesterfield. <laughs> I think it, I, I genuinely think he was probably after get a Kinde as well, and if he could have. He could have. He probably would have got Bonds and Gala back as well. Bonds, <laughs> <laughs> Bonds and maybe uh, Nicky Bailey for a stint in midfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dean so Sinclair. No, but I, 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 it's a difficult one because wha- what I've noticed about in the, um, the conference is the teams that generally go up are teams that are constructed with some real thought put into them. Like, f- for all my... Um, sort of negative, not negativity, but I would say for all my kind of scepticism around Martin Allen, if you look at the team that, w- that won the conference, that was a well-constructed team. Yeah. Very well-constructed, had good players in in key areas, had a solid look about it, 
and it wasn't just throwing money for money's sake. He didn't. He hardly spent any money on that side. I just think that in a non-league, you can pick up some real bargains on the way down. You can p- pick up some real bargains on the way up. And, and meld, meld them into a decent And meld it. And you don't really need to spend tons of money because by nature of the fact that there's that natural, um, you know, uh, wastage you get from other clubs and stuff, um, you can come into the conference. I mean, let, let's have a quick chat then about, you know, we talked about very briefly about Salford. Uh, do, you, do you see them finishing as champions or... Or thereabouts. I wonder. I wonder if they're going to take a little while because the thing is, it's going to be a bit. It might be a bit of a a culture shock for some of the players who've come down. In that case, then let's turn our attention to some other challenges. Then I mean, yeah, and starting with, you know, Barnet FC Mark Two Chesterfield, Um, Curtis Weston with the uh, the old no look pass in the midfield. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We've got Sam Muggleton with the uh, the brilliant passing range he's got as well. What do you think Chesterfield are going to do this season? Well, the fact that Martin Allen has had pretty much a whole summer to, to look at his team and work out what he has. I mean, I think Chesterfield were... were they were a Division two, Division 1 club two years ago, so there must be some good... There's got to be some talent in that squad. I think they... They're a bit like Bristol Rovers yeah. when they came down with us. Well, I think also there's a similar, probably no, similar story with Chesterfield that there was with us, in that it was like total mismanagement has brought them down into the conference. But I guarantee there's, there's probably some talent in that squad that just needs somebody to... to you know, to make the most of it. And I think Martin Allen will do that with them. Um, and what he's added to it, I think Muggleton is obviously clearly, he's, he's, he's planning for them nights and them December nights and January nights when the pitches are muddy and he just wants to miss out the ground and just go straight straight into the box, throw straight in the box. Um, so I think Chesterfield will be, will be a tough one because um, I think Martin Allen knows this division as well. And uh, we've also got a couple of other sides up there. I mean, some, some classic old-ish sides that are always there or thereabouts. I mean, you've got your Aldershot, Wrexham, Hartlepool, Orients, uh, who, who I think are all going to be much for muchness. But you've also got some quite interesting sides who weren't competitors last time we were here uh, in Fylde, uh, who always look a decent side. And again, they've got a you know, nice setup at Fylde, actually, some excellent coaching. Um, Ebsfleet and Boreham Woods, who we talked a little bit about with Charlie. Do you see any of those smaller sides making a run, or do you think their best hope is really around the playoffs? I can see Boreham Woods coming through. They, they, they are. Literally on paper, they are a tiny club, but you know, despite all the kind of airing dirty linen in public, um, one thing I do know, I know I, I grew up in Bournemouth, so I do actually know of the Hunter family who run the club. Yeah, and I've had my I've passed the sons of and stuff. I my my they've come across my sort of path in the, on many occasions, and I've always they've always been decent guys. Um, that club is really really well run. It's really well run, and I, I, wi- I wish, uh, in some respects, that the Cleanfos uh, took a leaf out their diary, out their book, sorry, because they have built a club like Tony Cleanfos is trying to do, but they've also made it competitive on the pitch at the same time, and they've made some really good signings uh, yeah. along the way. Uh, but I mean, the interesting thing is, though, I'm talking to Charlie about this the other day, uh, we'll hear from him later on in the show, they've lost quite a few of those players to bigger clubs, and, you know... And and particularly Balanta. Uh, was it Balanta? Sorry, who was the winger that they had? Oh, God. Um, I know you're talking about because I was. Uh, is it Andrade? Andrade, yeah. Bruno Andrade's yeah. gone to Lincoln alongside Big John. But they keep picking them up, these guys, and, and uh, picking them up. They keep, they keep doing, um, you know, like, what's it called? Like Crew used to do, where they used to find players and then put them. Well, they, they've got, again, similar to Fylde, they've got a good academy there. I mean, they've got yeah. the PASE academy. Um, it's really established as well. It's been there for years. And, they, and they've, they've, they've sent quite a few players on into the professional game. So yeah, they're, they're another one to look out for. Um, they've, they've also signed one of our players as well, one of our ex players. They've signed quite a few. Um, yeah, no, but. Denzel, so, um, yeah, they've Dave got Stevens. They've got Dave Stevens champion. And, and Champion, but they've also signed um, recently, they signed uh, Craig Ross. Who, although he w- I wasn't, he wasn't. F- he's not a favourite of mine. He's definitely a confident standard goalkeeper. So yeah. you know. I've got some great tweets of yours on Craig Ross. Just put it in the corners, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> even the corners. Just put it not even the corners. Just put a meter each side of him, and it was in. <laughs> it will still dive and look at the camera. Don't, don't worry. Yeah, but a lot of sports still think he's great. I always thought Craig Ross got a bit of a role deal, but <laughs> from from years of watching Premier League goals on Sky Sports, I know never to trust a goalkeeper who doesn't play with long sleeves or play to track <laughs> bottoms. <laughs> Uh, Fabian Bartes and syndrome. Raymond van der Gaal. Do you remember him? He was used to wear tracksy bottoms. Mark Bosnich. So you probably don't like uh, what's called the guy from Crystal Palace who wears them oh, really skank. <laughs> he he what was that guy's name. He he's a brilliant keeper. He is he's a trendsetter because everybody wears them grey tracksy bottoms now. What 
Um, walking down the street. Yeah, walking down the street. <laughs> Everybody wants to be the Crystal Palace goalie. Oh, I forgot his name. It's gone blank. He's Argentinian, isn't he? No, he was Eastern European. He's like Hungarian. Are you sure? Yeah. He, was, they're, they're, he was renowned for it. Them grey tracks bombs must be well grungy by now. Which he wears the same pair over and over <laughs> No, he might wash them, but they're still going to get crappy. Um, oh, I can't remember what he was called now. But he was he was a good keeper. He was Craig Ross... I always thought Craig Ross got a, a bit of a, a bit of a raw, a bit of a raw deal. Oh come on, okay, ready? His name. <laughs> what is his name? <laughs> Gabor Kirai. Oh, that's it, Kirai. That's it. That's him. Uh, no, Craig Ross. Hungarian. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, Craig. Craig Ross to me was he's a decent number two and a decent confidence goalie, but he wasn't a league goalie. He wasn't. No. And I, I, and actually, to be fair, and I know this is an opinion that's becoming a bit more pop common. I, I don't think Jamie Stevens was either. Um, I know he was good in the year when he won the, the players of the season, but ultimately that distribution cost us, I think, seven or eight goals a season uh, in terms of going well, forwards and, and also defensively. Well, it's, it's one of the things. If you've got a guy who can kick the ball, then the defence is going to sit off a bit because you know you, they can, you can launch it. If he's gonna, they're going to push up if, they, if you can't hit the halfway line. Sorry, so I, just, I, just <laughs> I just found one thing on Gabo Karai. Oh, come on, tell us then. So there was one match where he didn't wear his famous tracksuit <laughs> bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> which is in 2005. That is crucial. No, he was playing. When Palace went to Chelsea uh, and they lost 4-1 and Karai made a massive error in letting Mateja Keshman, if you remember Mateja Keshman, the shot slipped through his legs <laughs> and his baggy trousers would have definitely helped prevent the ball from flying in there. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, they look so cheap as well, them tracks bottoms. Yeah. But, you know, trendsetter. Now all the, now all the youths. Now all the youths. He's at age of 40. He's still playing. Uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce the name he's playing for. But Is he still wearing a great tracksuit bombs? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of any Barnet goalkeepers who used to wear like stuff like that. We've had some truly appalling goalkeepers. Did uh, Rankadosh used to wear short sleeves? <laughs> short sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> I think I he was short sleeves. <laughs> Jesus. I find I it hard I though. Remember, I remember that game. I didn't even remember this. One game. Bournemouth away. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was like it was like Gordon Banks. We've talked about this as well before, <laughs> but the fact is, is that game always is imprinted in my head because he was so useless. But in that one game, I've never seen him play like a goalkeeper play so well. It was unbelievable. What I would say was that he, <laughs> he was like, uh, Underhill in particular was really good at this. He picked up the atmosphere quite quickly. So he, he picked almost Tuesday night games. There's like 1,300 people there. It always felt re you know reasonably full on, the, on these terrace, and you just get this sense of like terror would pass around. <laughs> the, around he the just couldn't kick the ball whenever the ball went back. Even when he was going downhill. Didn't he, didn't he once punch the ball and it spun back in his goal? Yeah, there was that one. They've, I've seen there's been some truly <laughs> awful goalkeepers. Rank College has got to be up there with, with some of the worst ones. Rank College. Do you remember, do you remember um, Beckwith? Yes. Beckwith. He was one that was a really good goalkeeper, but he just was a bit... He looked like a Sunday League goalkeeper in that he uh, a few yeah. many, too many pies. Yeah, he, he was not... Rob, is it Rob Beckwith, his name? That's him. Rob Beckwith. Um... Speaking of Barnet goalkeepers, though, we, I don't know if you saw that um, one of our great goalkeepers, you know, do we need to sign a goalkeeper considering that our reserve goalkeeper has gone up on trial to Liverpool? Yeah, but it's like I said, on, I've said this on, on, on social media, um, the, the fact is is that the, the Liverpool are trying to get loads of their young goalkeepers out on loan and, um, and they need somebody to fill the, fill the gap. So uh, the clubs do that. They buy, they b they buy players uh, for their reserve team just to fill a gap so they can... So they have got a player in that position. Well, this is, of course, the goalkeeper that scored the same amount of goals as Sean Bat did in his entire Barnet career. Oh, wow. Uh, scoring on his Guyanese debut. I don't know if you saw this. He, he didn't score for us, though, did he? No, but he scored for Guyana, which I think is probably more of an achievement. I think we were missing a trick, though, last season when John Akinde wasn't playing. Maybe we should have tried him up and stuck him up front. It's six foot seven, isn't it? Just getting pumping the balls in. Maybe that's what John still could have done, pumping balls in the box whilst we were looking for a number nine. Wow. But the, do you do you the question is, is I've never actually seen him play in hardly any games. So, but both of them, there's two oh, of them. Either Mackenzie Lyle. Yeah, I've never seen either of them. They just always, they always seem to be like these. I've seen him once. He came on against uh, Luton. I don't know if you were at the Luton game. I thought mm. you were at the Luton game. It was maybe two seasons ago when um, I think Akif got injured and we had to bring him on. He seems to have been on the bench since, well, since Paul Fairclough's been at Barnet, I think. It's a serial bench warmer. Like he Danny just, Hart. no, honestly, I think, I think, I think he might be, he might actually be a myth of a player. He's and it's just his name. Danny Hart of the modern era. Yeah, they just stick his name on the list. There you go. That's like that's our reserve goalie. Remember when John uh, was it Martin Allen the last time we were in the conference didn't didn't put a goalkeeper on the bench? Well, that made sense because he was only allowed five, weren't we? Yeah. And so he was thought it was a waste. And, if, and then he had, who did he have that was all like ready to go in and go in goal? If there was one of the players that said, uh, was like, 
No, that's it. Jack Savile. Yeah, it's Jack Savile. Jack Savile apparently had been trained up to like get, be the reserve. I love Jack Savile. I thought he's. I, I I liked him as a person, but I thought he was a good, uh, decentish player as well. Actually, I Jack did Savile. try to get an interview with him as well, and um, and unfortunately he didn't return my call. Okay. Well, he's less nice. Uh, we'll, we'll try again. Yeah. Anyway, back on some more uh, <laughs> pressing matters. Or Barnet. A slight detour now. I mean, we've talked a little bit about the league, um, and we're going to come back to some predictions at the end of the show uh, and join Charlie as well on that. Um, but I just want to talk very briefly for five minutes about the, the state of the club going forwards. And I know we've had lots of conversations about, um, you know, stuff off the pitch, do with TK. We had uh, the sort of, I don't know, it's a bit like the, the Reformation, Martin Luther nailing 95 theses to, to the church door with TK nailing his 95 responses to Q&As <laughs> <laughs> to the Barnet website. Um, but what, what are your thoughts really on, on how the club's progressing off the pitch as much as our sort of clearly failures on it? Um, I, I just want to put, I want to put my n- colours, I want to nail my colours to the mast here because make it really clear. Um, I'm neither... One of these people who think that everything that Tony Kalfos does is it makes him a crook, and nor of my think he's I think he nor do I think he is a um, a god, you know that is basically can do no wrong. Um, he's definitely somewhere in the middle, and actually, um, and this is something I spoke to you on the phone about, which I had a conversation with a, a player um, who's been at Barnet very recently, and I was quite a bit shocked actually about some of the stuff. And actually, in all fairness. It wasn't in isolation. It was something where I've actually had conversations with ex-players who have repeated the same thing, and I was hoping this sort of thing would be would would have phased out. But basically, what 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 um, this player said to me was that Barnet Barnet don't really sort of look after the players as well as other clubs do. So a perfect example we we all know about the sort of the Watergate you know thing with Barnet had players having to buy their buy their own water. Which is ridiculous because basically players need to stay hydrated. Is this in the game? No, this is like for any time they're in the club area, yeah. they have to buy their own water. Okay. okay. So that's already, that's like players need to be hydrated. They're professional athletes. Um, but on discovering that the players had to buy their own food, um, pay for their own food. Whereas, like for instance, if you go to one of the non-league clubs, and I won't say which one, cause it, um, but there's one, th- most of the non-league clubs will feed their players after training. Which makes sense, considering you can control the diet and all that. Control sort of the stuff. diet, again, nutrition, big part of players. Club won't do that. Club, club make the players pay for it. So the club, the players are thinking. Oh, hang on a second. We're looking at all the other clubs. All our mates are in other clubs and they're doing this, and we're having to fork out money. And apparently, as well, the the finding structure, um, it, the c- uh, culture of the club is pretty uh, heavy-handed as well. So the players are getting fined regularly for different things, like such as just what you know using their phone or just lots of things there are lots of things I, mean, I can't give you uh, specific reasons but person I spoke to said that you know you can find yourself down in your per wage packet and they don't earn tons of money yeah wage packet um, you know for something very minor very trivial um, and you, you also mentioned something about sort of kit replacement yes well. no that was the other thing as well so kit replacement so if a player is, is in a game and they get their shirt ripped by another opposition player is their response they have a spare but it's their responsibility that once they use the spare as their main kit, they had to replace the spare and out of their own pocket from the club shop paying full price. Which is, I mean, it's, it's a hard one because I, I'm a bit like you with TK. I think, you know, I'm not one of these people that stops supporting the club after it moves to Hive. And I think he's done a really good job. Y- you look at other clubs in similar sizes, we're definitely in a better position than a lot of clubs because of the Hive. And I think, you know, his heart's in the right place. Um, but clearly there are issues around this culture because it's, you know, as you've mentioned and other people have mentioned, um, getting the club's name sort of dragged through the mud a little bit and it means that prospective players who are interested in signing aren't going to mm. sign on, which is And it's happening. And it's happening. We struggled in January to, like, if you spoke to people close to the club who were in the know of what was going on, we really, sh- no player wanted to come to us. I know we were in a relegation spot, but typically what Barnett's got going for it is in London, media do spend, do keep an eye on what Barnett does. We've got really good facilities, and that's a big plus on, on Tony, on Tony Campos. Huge plus. Um, and it's a platform for players to make a name for themselves. But if you've heard that the club doesn't really treat the players that well, if you've the player, club's struggling and, and, and you're hearing that it's, you know, you keep getting fined for this or you have to go and change your kit, and if you rip your shirt twice in a month, that's 50, 100 quid out of your own pocket, out of your wages, players are going to start thinking, well, actually, I'll go to this club because it's a nice, uh, you know, environment. And I know for a fact that one of our ex-players 
one of our we had last year, and I won't name it, but I'm sure you can all draw your own conclusions. Our biggest target last season, who would have made a huge difference, okay, filled the one position that we needed. We went in for him twice, I heard, maybe even more. He was told by one of our ex-players, do not go to Barnet. One of our ex-players, and he's a Barnet legend, told him, don't go to Barnet, okay? Because they were told, he said it was an absolute shambles at Barnet, okay? That was exact the words that they used. I mean, it, it, last year was a total, total shambles. I mean... Um, you know, we had Rossi starting out, then we had this nonsense with McGee, uh, then we had Wesley, you know, then we got rid of everyone, went back to Martin Allen. It was just, uh, the whole thing was, was catastrophic. Um, going forward, though, I mean, do you think this is something that, that TK will, will try and change? Because, you know, I, I, take, I take this point, I think maybe pe people who have been in the game for a long time know, you know, you don't want people taking the piss, and you know, there's an issue with you know football players now, particularly in the English game, getting far too much too soon and seeing themselves as you know pretty big boots um, when they haven't actually done anything in the game. So, uh, so I see that, and you know, if you go to sort of Italy, Italy's a great mm. comparison, right? You know, the players in Italy are still way more, uh, uh, in some levels. I know Barney players are very professional, and it's changing now in the last ten years, but they're a lot more professional than they were mm, um, totally a while ago. But in Italy, they are way more professional than England, uh, or at least you know, they were sort of ten, fifteen years ago. Um, so do you think that TK is perhaps sort of railing against that culture a little bit? I'm just trying to see where he's coming from on this. What I see with TK is he's, he's very much, he's a businessman and he looks, where can I save my money? And he's, and I, in my opinion, I think he's chosen the wrong areas, uh, wrong areas of the club to, to, to do that. Yeah. The fact is, is that, um, this is the point, um, um, uh, my, my main sort of reason for bringing this up is happy players will run through brick walls for your club. Happy players will... Um, Will will be able to relax and play their game. Players that are unhappy and looking to get a move are not gonna not gonna bust the gut because they're worried about if they get an injury they can't get their move. And there are a couple of players in our squad who are looking to move, who are looking to get a move before the end of the transfer window, who are players that we really that are good players. Um, and if you wanna if you're interested in your if uh, TK's got these ambitions of Division One, okay, that's always been his ambition. But to do that, you need your players to be coming with you. And they're not going to come with you if, you've, if you're constantly antagonising them with, stu with stupid things like, yeah, you've got to pay a pound for that bottle of water. You've got to pay 50 quid for that shirt that you didn't even rip. You've got to pay for a brand new pair of short uh, socks because somebody studied you and, and, they've made a, and they've made a hole in it. That's not, gonna, that's not bringing players with you. That's not how you convince build players. Build a club. Build, you know, build a club up. It's about the players have got to be happy. We're going to wrap up now uh, by looking at, at predictions for the upcoming season. Uh, Mem, this is one of your areas of uh, development from last two seasons. Uh, but we, we, we spoke with Charlie Casson uh, a few nights ago, who gave us his rundown uh, of the season. And once he's had his say, we're going to come back and wrap up with what we think is going to happen this season. <laughs> Delighted to be joined by, by Charlie today, um, who's been on the pod quite a few times. Charlie, uh, the sun's out. It's uh, it's good weather. Are you feeling positive about Barnet going into the new season? Um, I think it's so hard when you when you go into a new league and you sort of have a whole new team, a whole new back, uh, manager and backroom staff. I think it's really hard to sort of judge how we're going to do and where we're going to fit in and how we're going to cope and adapt to the new league with the new teams. So I think, I'd hate to say, I do, <clears throat> I mean, we were just saying off air, well, I think I have to agree with you, I don't feel too optimistic, but I'm not pessimistic either, so I'm sort of welcoming it with open arms. And um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll start to get a feel of what it's going to be like towards the back end of August, I'd imagine. And what do you what do you make of the the signings that are coming to the club? We've made quite a few, um, particularly those coming across from Stills' old team in Dagenham. Um, what what have you made of those? Uh, I went down. I've seen a couple of the friendlies, and also went down to watch uh, a few times during the first um, week of pre-season. Because um, I got I, I know I know Junior Lewis, the coach, um, and so me and my friend Ben, who I got in touch with, we went down there and watched through the through the pre-season uh, training sessions. Um, so what from from that and and the friendlies I've seen, ones that stand out for me is definitely um, Craig Robson. I think he looks like a naturally gifted uh, footballer um, on and off the ball. And I mean he can play in 
holding midfield or centre back. So I think he's going to be very versatile and will be useful for us. Um, I've heard I've not the only I only saw him among the friendlies, Andre Ducard. Um, he, I mean, it's friendlies you can't really tell, but he didn't really stand out to me. But he's the one who I've had uh, the most um, like good words spoken about him from people who have seen him play and train. Really excited to see him. Um, yeah, someone someone said to me this this uh, trained with him before. He said that he's technically the best footballer in the conference. So I've got a lot. I've got very high hopes for him. Uh, looking forward to seeing him when he's fully fit and um, in the side. And yeah, I've also I've also I watched Hendon quite a lot last year um, as my mate's a coach there. So Josh Walker, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he fits in because he is very, very, very good player. Very good player. I don't know if he can make this step up. I hope he can. But um yeah, he's he's really got a huge amount of potential. It's looking positive then in terms of who's coming in. Um we we've lost a couple as well, in particular uh, you know, Big John who's been, you know, such a key role for us over the last sort of three or four years. Mm-hmm. Do you feel as though anywhere in that squad, particularly with John's absence, that we're we're lacking? Is there anyone else you'd like to see us bring in or any areas you want us to strengthen in? I think when someone like when someone like a Kingy goes and sort of how reliant we've been on him for the last four years, well three years, um he's almost irreplaceable really. Um, I mean, obviously, we all know he's not technically the best footballer, but he gets you, he gets you 25, 30 goals a season. And I think someone with his power and strength and pace, is and and goal scoring record is really hard to come by. Um, so I think we did get a real gem when we managed to get him. And I do think whoever comes in in that number nine has got a huge, huge boots to fill. Um, we definitely need another keeper as well. Uh, we can't go the whole season with one first team goalie. But I think I think we seem to be <clears throat> really strong. We seem to have a really strong spine at the minute because we've got uh, we've got quite a few centre midfielders that we've brought in, along with the ones we had already, and we seem to have sort of the centre backs covered as well because uh, there's also the players in there that can play centre mid and centre back. So, um, so I think maybe I'd like to see uh, a right winger come in. Um, a right winger and obviously the number nine, but there's I've got no rush. I've got uh, no sort of there's no rush for that to happen just yet. Um, yeah, I, I mean Dave Tarpey as well. He's, gonna, he's almost going to be like a new signing for us because we didn't actually get to see. I mean, we saw the game. He's played at Swindon, didn't he? And he, I think he hit the bar at Swindon. Mm. Um, and then he came, obviously he got injured the first five minutes of the following game. So he's going to be like a new signing. But um, yeah, we do need the big a big, powerful target man. And in terms of, you know, looking at the league then, um, who do you who do you think is going to be up there um, sort of competing at the top end of the table? Obviously, you've got some big sides down there, like, you know, Wrexham um, mm. and, uh, you know, Hartlepool and Chesterfield uh, and obviously the new money side in, in Salford. What, yeah. what do you kind of see playing out at the top of the table next season? <clears throat> um, I've always thought this was a conference, and I thought it when we were down there as well. Uh, more so in more recent years, um, I think the top half of the conference and the bottom half of the conference, no disrespect to the teams who are in the bottom half, but I feel like you have to, there's almost two completely different leagues. There's such a, there's such a difference in quality and class from sort of the top eight, top ten to the rest. Um, I think the teams that, the teams that you beat, you, you do well and truly beat. And then you've got the games, obviously, against the top half teams that are a lot more tougher. Um, obviously, you've got Salford, who are going to be up there. Uh, and, I mean, they should, with the money they've got and the players they've brought in, they should walk walk it, really. Um, there's, you just can't compete with the money that they're spending on players um, and paying, paying uh, the wages they're paying as well. It's just, you can't, you can't compare with it. Um, but I do think you're going to have the self are going to be up there Chester are going to be up there purely because they've got Martin Allen who just knows how to win that league we will be up there um, Aldershot will be up there uh, I'm not sure about Bournemouth this season because I know they've got Luke Garrow they've sold three of, or three or four of their standout players from last season um, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not sure if they've replaced them I know 
the keeper went to Lincoln, Andrade went to Lincoln. Um, there's a bit of, I mean, there was that statement that came out on Twitter this week about Morgan Ferrier. I'm not sure if you read it. Um, yeah, he he seems he seems like he's on his way out somewhere. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure if they're gonna if they're gonna be back up there. But um, yeah, it'll be the familiar familiar teams along with now Orient. I think we'll be up there as well because Justin Edinburgh and I think they've sort of finally settled in non-league football. Um, and finally, just sorry, sorry, just finally for, for me then, what in terms of us this season, you said you know there's a chance we'll be up there or thereabouts. What for you would be a successful season this year? Successful season will be to get the playoffs. I think anything out if we don't get the playoffs, I think we can look at it as a disappointment because we are a big club in non-league like there's no two ways about it we are huge um compared to other teams competing in this league with us um and i think yeah we we are the we are the team to beat i think everyone's going to come and want to beat us so we've got that bit of added pressure um but we need to get the playoffs anything out of that is a huge disappointment because then we can't go on and challenge to in the playoffs to get promoted um it's such a shame only one team goes up automatically you think in, there needs to be the FA do need to look at that um, so there to potentially be two teams that go up and three teams that go down there are two that go up automatically um, four that go down sorry and then one by the playoffs um, that could be something to look into but yeah yeah we need we need to get the playoffs yeah I mean I think hopefully that will be something that we, we look towards I'd be surprised if we if we didn't make there or thereabouts but um you know, as you said, there's a lot of uncertainty still. Mm. Um, but thanks a lot for, for coming on, Charlie. Really appreciate it. No problem. It. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the season. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll look So, we're back with Mem. Uh, and Mem, just remind us again, you predicted last year Barnett to finish seventh in the, uh, in the league. I may so have. Hopefully, you were only... Uh, What's that? About 17 out? No, 16 out. So hopefully this year you'll be a little bit closer. You just go 12th and then you can be <laughs> you can only be out by a maximum <laughs> of 12. Um, let's start with that one then. I mean, where where do you think Barnett are going to finish in the 2018-2019 Vanarama National League season? So I'm looking I'm looking on the basis that there was a 17 place swing from my, my prediction last year. So if there's a 17 place swing, then I'm going for 18th. Okay. If there's not a 17th place swing, <laughs> do you actually think we'll finish 18th? I, do you know what? My, my, my predictions are so useless that um, I might as well pick just pluck one out of the sky because it, there's, there's no chance. Uh, in all fairness, I, no, no, I'm mucking around, but I do think it's probably about 12th, 11th or 12th. So you're not, not as... You know, and would you consider that season to be a success if we finished 11th or 12th? No, it wouldn't be a success, but judging by what I've... Um, judging where we are in terms of what, what the squad looks like and and the way pre-season's gone, and I think I think potentially we'll probably be 10th or 11th, with, but I think we might finish strongly, and then next season. So similar to the last time we were in the conference then? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to join you on that. I think this season, I think Byron Harrison's a very good signing, and I think we're going to finish 8th, uh, just outside the playoffs. Um, I like Byron Harrison. He's my new Curtis Weston, in terms of a player that I think he's, he's a good signing. Uh, okay. Um, Next one, who's going to be the, the big breakthrough player for us this year in terms of uh, one who was at the club last year uh, but hasn't done much or hasn't or has done much and is going to go on to even bigger things this season? Wes Fongook. Wes Fongook. Yeah, no, we've all, I, th- I heard secondhand that apparently the, the coaches have been very impressed with Wes. Um, and actually, I've noticed in pre-season he's been playing more and more games. Started off the, season, the pre-season in periphery and he seems to be playing a lot more games now. So okay. I, I, think, I think he might be the one that breaks through. I'm going to go with Elliot Johnson, who I think we missed badly last season. Um, I think David Tond is an excellent player, but if he's with us at the end of the window, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but Elliot Johnson, for me, is is a very, very good National League player, um, and I think we'll really benefit from him coming back hungry. I think he's a good, he's a good Division Two player. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he, this is below him. Well, he's even better National League then player, isn't he? Yeah, yeah I think this is. I think this is. I think he, he'll be. He'll I think he'll be able to, most right-wingers will probably have him in his pocket. Fantastic. Well, that'll be good, uh, <laughs> considering some of the games we saw last season. Okay, uh, three to go. Uh, next question, who is going to be the best signing that we brought into the club this transfer window? So a lot to choose from. Mm, interesting. I haven't, see, I haven't seen much. Um, 
But I'm hearing rave reviews about, is it Bucard? Andre Bucard, yeah. yeah. It's quite old though, Andre Bucard. A bit like a yeah. Michael Hyde. Yeah, a bit like that, but yeah, it's an interesting one. I think I think he might be the either him or Reynolds. Reynolds. Yes, I always um, I like always like the look of Reynolds when I saw him when he used to play for Bournemouth. He had he had crappy hair though, but now he's got he's got a decent proper haircut now. Welcome to the club. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to go with Byron Harrison. I think he is one that's arrived to not much reputation, a bit like a Kinde, um, but I think he's a very very good player. He's a smart player as well. Um, and it's useful having someone up front who knows how to score goals in this league. So I think he's going to do very, very well for us this season. All right, two to go. Um, what player do you think will be one that everyone's sort of hyping up but will actually be a bit of a disappointment this season? Well, who are you not expecting much from? I've got two I'm thinking of. Um, I think potentially Shaq and Jack Taylor. I think they're favourites, fan favourites. Shaq maybe slightly more divi- more of a, div- of a divide, but I've got a funny feeling that Shaq doesn't fit into this John Steele system, and I feel that Jack Taylor neither does Jack Taylor, and I think they might end up being full guys this season. Deservedly so, or do you think? I mean, they've both had enough chances to be fair to them. I, mean, I know Jack Taylor is very young, but and he's yeah. a very very good player in a certain system. He's one of those players you could see going to thrive at another club. Exactly. No, that's true. And there's been there's so many players that have basically gone from one club to another club. One that looked like useless at one club and been brilliant at the other, and I just think that some it's just about you know, it's about the horses for the cor- horses for courses, and if and if the system doesn't suit Jack Taylor and Shaq, I could see them exiting the club at some point um, in this season. I could see both of them going because I think Tarpey and Hart Harrison will be at, will be the main two up front. I, I think Dan Sweeney for me. I, I never was a huge fan of Dan Sweeney um, last season, and I'm still not. Um, I think he's a good player in some aspects, but I still think uh, he's not quite mobile enough to play uh, central midfield. Uh, Do you not think this is his level, though? Well, because this, this is a step down, so you have to remember that you know he's not going to be playing against players that are as smart as the ones that are playing in a Div Two. And correct, but I still think in this league. I think actually the, the, the pace sometimes of football in non-league, particularly high-level non-league, is faster than it is in League Two because there's a lot more sides that play percentage football. You know, in League Two, you come you know when we, we recorded a show a few years ago against teams like Oxford and Portsmouth, you see teams with a real systematic game plan. Oh. I think in in the Conference there are far less of those, and I think actually it's the physical element in, in centre midfield is essential because yeah. we're not going to play a sort of Ajax Barcelona style passing through the lines we're going to play a quite direct style and I think I think he'll get bypassed in that do you think do you think uh, I know this I know, I know you're asking the questions but I'm not there I quick, it, go, it, it popped my head popped in my head do you think Santos will uh, will end up leaving the club at under still yeah yeah absolutely I'm, I'm thinking the same I, I think Santos for me never he, again he's very young um but for me he never looks uh and maybe maybe it's it's the way he plays the game. So it could be my biases in terms of, you know, my, my judgment of him as a player. But I never have confidence we're going to keep a clean sheet with Santos in the side. Like he's not someone I look at the back and go right. That's someone who's going to win ninety percent of headers. Who's going to anticipate? Who's going to pass it out, etc. Um, I think he's a good player, um, but he doesn't have a defining quality to his game that means he's going to start there every time. You know, Michael Nelson. You know, he's good in the air. He anticipates his distribution is terrible. So you take he's like, you know, nine out of ten in the air, uh, seven out of ten anticipation, and then like three out of ten pace and five out of ten distribution. With Santos, he's kind of six and seven to everything, but that means that he can be a little bit unpredictable. Um I, I, I feel I feel that he is yeah, he for me is not quite cut out of the club. I think for me for me, Santos, um, last year was really found wanting in the air, despite being a big guy. Uh, in Division Two, he's going to have a lot more. There's going to be a lot more balls pumped into the box in this in this league. He really last season a lot of the goals were conceded from free kick uh, from corners came back from Santos not not winning the header against his man. Yeah, I mean, I think if he's if he if he wasn't called Ricardo Santos, if he was called you know a bit like you know Sam Alivadurchi, if he was called sort of you know Richard <laughs> Richard Sand, he would not be given the same sort of. Prestige, but I, I think that's maybe a bit unfair. I think he's, a, I think he's, he's a decent player. I think he needs a lot of development, but he, he doesn't seem to me, to be one of the the players. I, I wouldn't, he wouldn't be my first choice centre backs, for example. 
for me, so for me, Santos, and this is the thing about him, I think he needs to play at a slightly higher level in a team that dominates the ball a bit more. Um, on the basis that I actually think that Santos is one of the, in in this lo- in the lower league, from what I've seen around, is one of the best one v one defenders in terms of getting balls going into the channels and being able to defend with you know with very little support around him. So in a team that pushes up high and and, and plays a, a pressing game. I think he's great, but I think a team that's under the cosh and he has to win headers and come and attack the but ball. I think, to be fair, there's a lot of players you could say that about that could do well at a high level. Jack Taylor's one of them. Um, yeah. But you have to earn the right to do that. You know, there's every single player in non-league thinks, and most of them would do better in a side that does well at a high level, but you've got to be, you've got to earn the right. Like, no that's one's going to give you the chance unless you work for it. Yeah, true. Um, okay, last question. I always ask this at the start of every season, and I think last year you said one, uh, and wrong by a factor of four this time. How many managers will we have this season? Actually, I'm quite confident John Steele will see out this year. Okay. I don't, I don't see um, him and Claire Foss are quite old friends. I can't see him sacking him. I agree. A- unless it's disastrous. Which hopefully it won't be. Yeah, and disastrous will be in the relegation zone, and I can't see that at all. Good. Well, that's slightly more optimistic than last season. Um, we'll be back throughout the season with a couple of interviews and some shows, seeing how Barney get on. Uh, but now, Mem, thank you very much for joining me. No worries at all, anytime. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll speak soon and talk about a very positive start to the season. Yep, up the barnet. Up the bees. That's all, folks. Thank you so much for joining us on what we hope is the first of many podcasts this season. As ever, you can get in contact with me and Mem on Twitter or through SoundCloud. We look forward to hearing you soon. And come on, you bees.